0: Without further ado, let's dive into the show. Welcome to The Pathless Path. I'm Paul Millard. And in this podcast, we examine the invisible scripts that run our lives and dare to imagine new stories for work and life. So today I'm talking with Michael Steiner. And I was introduced to him by a previous guest I talked to, Chris Abdelmessa who was another just far-ranging, hyper-curious person I was excited to talk to. So I'm similarly excited to talk to you today, Michael. You have a really fascinating background, not a straight line in terms of a career, which makes you a perfect fit for this podcast, The Pathless Path. You started your career in trading. Um, You also had some experience in ROTC programs in the Army. Um, You created along the way a game called Stock Slam, teaching people about market making and other principles from trading and finance Um, that kind of grew and evolved over the years. Now you're a high school teacher and sports coach and excited to talk to you today. Welcome to the podcast, Michael. Thanks so much, Paul. I always start with a similar question and uh, I'd love to just dive back into your childhood and ask a little bit about what was it like to grow up as Michael Steiner? What were some of the stories or scripts you had about what you were aiming towards as an adult? I know it's very ambiguous when we're young. For me, it was like, go to school, get good grades. What were some of the scripts and stories you grew up with? Um, Well, so I, I, I my parents didn't go to college
1: and, uh, and I was raised like solid middle-class blue collar. And I think I always knew that I had it really good. And I was like super lucky just to be, um, uh, born in the suburbs of New Jersey to these parents and, um, to have their support and, and, uh, um, to have, to like, to have the curiosity about things that I have and, uh, And I think I just got fed the, the, the right information at the right pace in order to just, uh, rocket through, um, not faster than anyone else, but rocket through, uh, school with, um, a lot of great feedback and a lot of great inspiring teachers. So, so yeah, I just, I mean, I didn't grow up with a silver spoon in my mouth, but I, I, but I look back and even going through it, I kind of knew that I was, I was, um, I had, I had better luck than, than most people it seemed
0: you you ended up at Penn for college which That's right. must have required some sort of uh, impressive academic achievements. Were you were yeah. you exceptionally curious in any certain areas that kind of drove you in that direction?
1: No, and I even I even didn't know that Penn was an Ivy League school. I just saw it in the in the uh, magazine with a ton of majors possible at it and I knew that I wanted to go someplace where I could have access to as much information as possible um and uh just to have just to have that wide openness. I, I mean i I really just picked it as one of my schools that was close enough to uh, that, that i could um be away from my parents but not too far away and then um and then like have all those opportunities and i, I even know about the wharton school or or um any of the any of the things that went along with Penn, but i, I quickly learned that stuff and um, yeah, really, what was that ex- really mixed out there.
0: What was that experience like as a first gen college student? you get in a world like that and you don't really understand what you're entering into. How did you start to make sense of what you had in front of you and what you were going to do next?
1: Um, well, I had an older brother who had gone to a local community college. So I know a little bit about college, uh, college. Again, I just got so lucky uh, that I had roommates, these roommates in college who had all different levels of, of understanding, so many different things. And uh, one guy hadn't finished high school. He went right to Penn and Wharton. Another fellow was from from Turkey, and he was just this math genius and language genius. And then I had another friend from, from, another roommate from uh, uh, Minneapolis was also just absolutely brilliant and, and a musician. I just, so I, I got, again, super lucky. I was... I was kind of the dumbest one I'd say of the, uh, of the, of the four of us. And, uh, but what, um, especially the, 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 uh, the fellow who hadn't finished high school, he like really, really pushed everyone, all of us and, and, uh, like to take as many classes as possible and just like really have the, have the most amazing time we could there.
0: Yeah. What kind of effect did that have on you?
1: He was, uh, he wound up going into finance also. And, uh, he he told me like, hey, you're good at math. You need to take these math courses and take take all these classes at Wharton. Also, um, and then another the other guy was encouraging me to take statistics and 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 just do some uh, some engineering classes. And yeah, I don't know if it hadn't been for them those those guys, I don't know what would have happened at Penn. I mean ROT. I was in ROTC, so that kept me uh, more sober than than others. You know at college? Because I had a lot of early mornings and stuff.
0: Yeah, but it, do you, do you look back on this and just wonder it? It's sort of random you end up around these guys. Do you think it was inevitable you end up going down this math finance route, or was it uh, sort of random looking back? Um, I, sh-
1: I think it, I think it was kind of random looking back. I didn't have a lot of confidence, so so I um, I didn't have a lot of self confidence i think i knew that mit was a place i knew that ngit was a place and caltech was a place but i thought like i didn't i didn't have the chops to even become an engineer i was really insecure um despite all of you know despite all of my successes i didn't think i could i didn't think i could hang at a harvard so why why i thought i could hang at penn was only because i i didn't know it was it was an ivy league school it was
0: the local school yeah yeah um how did you start thinking about working in finance i mean o- along the way, you must have realized okay, I can hang with these penn students,
1: oh, or at least yeah. there's
0: a path to make my way in finance
1: uh that was those that, that was definitely my my roommates and uh they were one particular was really into finance and he's he was a libertarian and um we had this uh we have this kind of joke going um I don't know. There's a line from uh, the movie Easy Money where he's. He go, uh, uh, um, I don't know. It's Back to School. The movie Back to School with Roddy Dangerfield, and he goes on this long rant. But we had a different rant that we would go on. We say that we're convinced that the this was the rant. We're convinced that the next uh, uh, crisis this country faces is going to be an economic one, and I want to be on the front lines with my slide ruler and my calculator, uh, beating those, uh, those, the Japanese right back to the great wall of China, you know, like some kind of like, you know, like rant thing, like, you know, that, that, the, that, the that the next sort of romantic job is to, uh, is, is in finance. And it was just, it was just goofy. Um, and, and one of my roommates had, uh, had done some time on uh, a stock exchange floor as a, uh, in the in the as in high school as a clerk on the on the stock exchange floor, and he would always talk about it and how crazy fun that was. So that was kind of that was another thing that was back bouncing around in my mind. This, his stories of hilarity on the on the New York Stock Exchange as a as a teenager.
0: Yeah. Did you ever read the book Liars Poker? And does that sort of resonate with the time period of that world? Yeah.
1: No, I didn't. I, I've never read the book, but I've heard of it. And and yeah, there was a, there was a lot of that. Um, the, the degenerate gambler part of it, uh, there it was a there was a strong piece of that, but I never, um, I never really, I, I wasn't a big gambler and like bet on sports or um, even play poker much. Mine was more like trying to figure out the so figure out the formulas and figure out the the right the right games to the right uh, the right answer. Not necessarily sitting down at a blackjack table and counting the cards. That yeah. sounds like absolute
0: drudgery. How did you end up at uh, Susquehanna? There was a,
1: a phone interview that a person had to get through in order to um to, to to get to the next level. And I knew that. And from one of my roommates in college who had I think he had interviewed with them, but he wound up working for um I think a Bank of New York and then Bank of America. And so 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 he uh, he told me that um the interviewer was going to ask you some probability questions. He said, "I didn't." He said, "I didn't get many of them right, but he said you, your math is better than mine, so you might be okay with it." And that was a that was the that was the first time I had contact with Susquehanna. It was a, it was a few months after I uh, uh, finished an army obligation for my ROTC scholarship. It's like right and That's
0: that's. Re- Did you start there as a trader? Uh, Sus- Susquehanna. Or a
1: junior tr- yeah yeah i junior assistant trader i think i i they came i came in um onto the amex and I, my pretty much my entire career at Susquehanna was in New york
0: and what was that like uh when what was the year that you started right. and what was the environment like the financial world uh nineteen
1: ninety six uh um Susquehanna was still heavily into equity options there was still fr- we were still trading in fractions so the training was to do the quick mental math to look at the puts and calls and see if they're lined up. And as brokers came in and asked for prices, you'd figure out what the synthetic relationship was to any options that were on the board and quickly yell at the market. Did that? That's cool, right? I didn't just talk over anybody's head, I hope.
0: Yeah, no. Uh, we we can get nerdy uh, on the podcast. Um, oh, good. Was just- I I love going deep. As I was saying before, you're wearing an MIT hat. You didn't yes. go there, but you use it as a uh, trigger to get find people like me that want to go nerdy and go deep. So, yeah, let let's uh, go deep. What were some of the? I mean, it seems like you sort of fell in love with probabilities, statistics, math, um, all those sorts of things. On your journey, how did that start to emerge?
1: I, I think in in high school I started my my love of probability and 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 expected value, and uh, I, I think they we learned the lesson about the value of a of a lottery ticket. You know, you pay a dollar for it, and then when they hand it over to you, it's worth you know your the expected value of your of you know the, of the of the ticket is is like you know three cents. So, on average, you lose night or not even three cents right it's like whatever point zero zero, like whatever it is ridiculous and so 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 the fact that you you make this bet and you can show with math how terrible it is, and it's like, wow, that's so fascinating right like uh that that just opens the the doors to the next level and what's the next level, and what's the next level how do i how do I answer um more difficult questions about probability and what's what's counting cards and in blackjack about right like maybe i can figure out the algorithms of of um yeah just just algorithms of how to predict things better and yeah and effective. that's
0: <laughs> i think funny enough that's around the time when the MIT blackjack team started doing oh, exactly that
1: yeah one of my one of my one of the guys who taught me the beginning options theory was on the MIT team um, oh, wow before before he uh before he joined sig, so it was that yeah it was it was kind of cool
0: <laughs> it's such an interesting lens. I think I see this all the time so i'm I'm pretty deep in learning about statistics and probability myself. You see things every day that people just take as sort of like facts, but you realize they aren't for example jobs numbers, right. Right, jobs numbers—they give you this very specific number, and people see that and they think it's a true, right? But you dig into it, and you like—I was looking at this the other day. The jobs numbers are like—they give you a ninety-four percent confidence range, which is pretty wide. Yeah, and then like that means like ten percent odds that they're totally way off, right. right? Which is pretty high when you're basing like all this expectations of a future of an economy on um these certain numbers and like people's psychology and how that intertwines um right. do you get frustrated uh in today's world with like how little understanding there is of like bayesian probabilistic thinking
1: no no i, I honestly say it's 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 fine i, I don't i, I mean I, maybe when i was younger i i thought you know it would be nice to be able to take advantage of this <laughs> right like i don't know some way kind of trick people and get them you know like that's what you're doing at a poker table when you're up against like um amateurs right you're trying to trick them into making bad decisions, and um no, I mean i just I don't get frustrated i don't uh i you know I, I just i just keep bringing up the same ideas that statistics are wonderful because they quantify uncertainty for us. we can finally put a number on something we're not sure of. And once we have a number on it, we can decide what our relative level of anxiety is going to be. So, yeah. So there's something very calming about that.
0: Yeah. Can you bring that alive? Like, what what's a concrete example of like what that might look like in maybe the financial um, realm? And then I'd love to hear like if you apply this to your personal decision making as well.
1: Oh yeah, for me it's fairly it's fairly natural. But thanks, I guess. Um, so the, the whole idea of, of what it means to act rationally, right? Like people are saying you're being irrational, but what they really mean is you're ask you're reacting disproportionately to the to the matter at hand, right? That's if something's rational, it's proportional, and if you're acting irrationally, you're you're overreacting or underreacting. Um, so we do that with. Um, with maybe, uh, like some, you know, small sample sizes and, um, when, uh, or, do appropriately sized sample sizes. So, you know, talking to someone, uh, a friend of mine who said, I'm not getting the, the COVID vaccination until, until, uh, more people get it. And, and I said, oh, how many, how many is that going to be? And she says, I don't know, just more. And they didn't really, didn't yeah. really. She was, she wasn't bothering me if she took another two weeks to to right. do it or not. Um, but like that was the end of the conversation, right? And I wasn't trying to point out anything, you know, weird. Like she was making a bad decision. I just wanted to know what her thoughts were. It's like how confident did she have to be in something in order to act on it? As you know, as, and so ideally, you know, we want to, we want to know where those those
0: levels are. Yeah, I actually went through an exercise last year where I was trying to quantify like my worst case scenario of what um, what it would look like if I sort of just like broke even for the rest of my life and then collected Social Security. Right. And it delighted me because it was pretty good. Yeah, Like it was like, oh, I could live on 40 grand for the rest of my life, which is like, I mean, it's a non-trivial problem to solve, but. It was like that is a pretty good life, all things considered. Yeah. Um, now that doesn't make everyone confident, and it's funny, like when you you ask people similarly, like, "What's your number? What's how much money would you need?" You realize it's an emotion, right? It's just more. More is a substitute for like insecurity, rather than like going through the process of saying, "Well, let's just pick a number and then work backwards, and then we can settle it." Um, is it? <laughs> That's a good but, one, right? Yeah, so how did you shift from being a trader to teaching this kind of stuff uh, at Susquehanna? And I'd love to hear like more about the culture there too because I know they use poker as a teaching tool as, as well and a lot of other unconventional teaching tactics.
1: Um, I don't know. Besides the poker, I don't know if too much of it is, un- is unconventional because you know, so many of the yeah. other... Firms of different sizes would do mock trading with their with their uh, um, assistant traders, and they'd do um, they'd have some sort of uh, training that you'd have to get
0: through. And you know, some yeah, call maybe. <laughs> I best. guess I'm just unfamiliar with sales and trading. Um, so training,
1: yeah. So 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 w- the way Susquehanna wa- r- ran, and and then I quickly uh, within I don't know a, a few months of becoming a trader. So maybe a month, a year and a half into my, uh, time at Susquehanna, um, the way, the way I taught was we, we run mock trading sessions and we do, um, like, I guess you'd call them tests, but theory tests and asking them to, um, you know, find the arbitrage, like I give them a board and they have to find the arbitrage on the board, uh, then, or, or the, uh, I guess I did. I, I, I would sometimes ask him theoretical questions or have them build something for me. Uh, but for me, in in New York, it was to get them ready to go to the next level, kind of like the finishing touches of working uh, with uh, the partners uh, and taking uh, classes there at in Ballakinwood, Pennsylvania, at the headquarters.
0: How did you get into the teaching role? Was that always just a natural pull for you or something Probably. you enjoyed doing?
1: Oh, yeah. So, so for me, the teaching, I, I, I love my high school teachers. It's for one. And then for two, I, then when I got to Penn, one of my roommates, again, I had the best set of roommates. He just said, you have calculus credit. Go sign up as a tutor. They're paying $35 an hour to be a, to be a tutor for for these warden kids because you know they got to pay they got to get smart in yeah. calculus so i did that so i was like this is so fun right to to talk to people about calculus and help them make the connections so i was like i need i always wanted to be like i i, I realized deep down i always wanted to be a teacher um in a, in, a, in a system like a school and and so then what that's when i got to susquehanna then that, you know, nobody really wanted to teach. Like, it was one of those things where it's like, who's going to do it? And it's like, okay, I'll run mock trading tonight. And then one guy would get, sit and come in and say, the next time, they he would say, I just want to play poker, someone else do it, right? And I was the one who stood up and at one point point I said, well, I'll just take over, I'll just take this over. I'm, I'm becoming a better trader by doing it for, you know, sel- and selfish reasons. And the other thing, it was just so fun because... During the regular day, standing around the stock exchange, there's so much downtime. And you do fill it in with just, you know, nonsense and silliness. And, you know, maybe rec- do some, we would always do some rehearsing in our heads. And, and, but there was so much downtime that you would, you would, um, you would just watch the clock and you just, someone would just yell out, Can, that, can we please rally the clock? It's, it's too slow. Because there were, you know, but then going home, but going back to the office to do mock trading at night and do uh, do education, it was, I made it just, it was just, it was crazy trading the entire
0: time. Did like you have non- a sense that might be a thread that would pull you forward in your life? Or is just like, this is just something I like doing. I'm sort of a trader. I'm going to keep doing this. Um, I was, yeah, I wasn't sure. I just knew it. It just
1: felt great. It just, it just, to trade during the day, and then to teach junior traders at night, uh, it yeah. was, was just it was just a perfect balance of, for, it was a perfect balance for take, taking taking, um, and making right like it was just the two things.
0: Yeah, and maybe maybe you can bring alive some of the things you actually taught. Like, what do, what do you mean by mock trading and market making? Things like this. How do you actually practice and teach those skills? You, you just start with, uh, uh,
1: I can actually, I know we're going to talk about my game, but the, the one time I did mock trading, I'll tell you what it was like. And, um, and this was the, this was the, uh, spark of what became my game. So, uh, King Yao, uh, was a, uh, trader at Susquehanna. Um, he was senior to me. And one day he ran mock trading when I was, a, when I was just an assistant trader. So I'm, I'm a trader. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm a, I'm a mock trader. He's in, he's in charge. He tells us what we're going to be doing. He got a VHS tape of a, foot, of a basketball game. And he said, uh, no, no one has seen this basketball game. Was some, he was sure. And he said, you're going to make a market on the total number of points. You're going to trade amongst yourselves the total number of points in this game. Okay, so we'd never seen it before. And um so as the game starts playing out, we're supposed to be making a market on the total points. We don't know if it's gonna go into overtime. Oh, wow. We don't know if we don't know what's gonna happen. So so we just start screaming numbers out and we're we're writing actually we're writing down on a pate on a piece of paper like trades with each other. And then at the end it was a dollar a point. So if you let's say you did nothing else, let's say you did absolutely nothing else, but you bought one share at a hundred points, okay? And the game settled, the total number of points in the game was a hundred five. Well, that one share that you bought from someone at a hundred points is worth now five dollars at expiration. And that where do you get that five dollars? You get that five dollars from the fella from the other side. So he's minus five dollars at the end of the game, you're plus five dollars at the end of the game. And <laughs> that's so, uh
0: Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Keep oh, going. So,
1: market making. So, that's trading. Now, market making is the process of stating a bid and an ask price. So, the bid is a price where you'd buy the asset, and an ask is a price where you'd sell the asset. And you're stating those two prices in order to generate some, um, let generate a transaction. So, you might, if the game's playing out, the game's playing out, and you just yell out, Well, I'll, uh, I'll buy the total number of points for 110, and I'll sell the points for 112. So your market is now 110 bid at 112. And um, if someone hits your bid, that means you buy it, and they're selling. And if someone takes your offer, that means they're buying, and you are selling. You can drop
0: what. Yeah. What are some of the mental models behind like thinking about doing that? Right, I know Susquehanna was one of the best firms at sort of market making, and is still playing a pretty big role in this. Like, what was their actual role? Like, what were some of the um, things they traded on? And how do you, like how do you think about creating a market in something?
1: So, so usually um, you're not walking into a marketplace uh, uh, for the first time. There's it's something's yeah, trading like, already. So, so, so we'll actually, we'll talk about when there's a new product, but, um, if there's a, if there's a product that's already trading and, and we're exploring the market for the first time, uh, uh, Susquehanna, like anyone else is just going to do a ton of research and, and try to figure out where the edge is and maybe look at some historical data. But you, when you look at historical data, there's so many pitfalls that people can make, um, uh, uh, survivor for survivorship bias is one. Right, you only see the 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 things that are left after something might have weeded them out, and so and also um, uh, it's confirmation bias. Like you can find a pattern when there isn't one. So, so so Susquehanna would see something that's trading or anybody, and then try to figure out if there's a pricing um, anomaly or maybe there's a lot of volume. Uh, There's a lot of volume trading, and just being there can give information to another part of the company. Uh, or maybe, uh, that's, uh, um, it's something that, that's, that's trading already. And, you know, there's just, just nobody standing there trading it. You know, yeah. there's very, there's very few people there. So there's no, there, no one has any idea. So you get to be like an explorer.
0: And I'm curious to know, like teaching, as you started to take more of a teaching role, um, I know my experiences from teaching is sort of this. Oh, I didn't actually understand what I was doing until I had to explain it to other people. So I assume you went through sort of the same evolution. How did that start leading these feedback cycles of your own learning as you were um, working as a trader on during the day and teaching this stuff at night?
1: Oh yeah, we we um we can look back at something that was difficult to learn and we can reflect on what it was about it. That was, was difficult. So was it, was it some vocabulary word that we didn't um, we didn't associate correctly with whatever the phenomenon was? Maybe it was, you know, it was a vocabulary word. Maybe it was some con- contextual other, other contextual thing, or maybe it was the math. Like we just didn't, um, the derivation of the formula which has a lot of information in it. They, we just didn't understand that and the importance of it. So that so could be a, a mathematical reason. Um, there's always some reason why something switched from being hard to easy. And then once you explore all those possibilities, then the next time you're learning something, you watch out for them. Um, so that, that order of knowledge. I'm not sure that answered your question, though, now that I yeah, think but about we were it. Yeah, I was
0: saying like once you start teaching it and then... How did that oh, you influence know, your own learning loops? Um, yeah, so reapplying the stuff you were teaching.
1: Yeah, well, while teaching it was great because um, developing the process of of getting these uh, junior traders to become market making monsters. Uh, that was that, and that was a thrill also to 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 see someone go from shy, mild mannered to ready to scream out a market. That was that was. Just truly like, that's my, that's my, that's my guy out there, you know, And like S- girls, but, but seeing them with their hangups and what helped them get through, what helped them get through things. Oh, that was, yeah, that was great. It helped me with my, anything that I was trying to figure out and it helped me make the whole process better for everybody.
0: Yeah. And to set the context, I mean, I know trading pits, you're often like yelling out, um, Bids, asks, uh, orders—is um, that still done like that? I'm just curious.
1: Uh, I think just in very few places, but the mechanics themselves are something. Are you know that face-to-face negotiation, and then that the the idea of like listening to prices, uh, trap trading around you, and all that information, um, uh, filtering out that literal noise, uh, is is um is a very valuable skill. I think
0: when it comes yeah, to trading. And- how, how do you turn a shy young person Have into months. a, a, yes. a market making monster? <laughs>
1: exactly. That's what I. That's what I think I. 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 I figured out, and what I take the most. Um. I take the, took the most pleasure in it. So, so uh, one thing I did that I that I um, I I I stole from uh, uh, uh my Spanish language class. So you, you remember where it says it gave you each line. And so each person would have to pick a part and then pick a part and then you'd have to read it. Right. And then, <laughs> so you, and like and the person, Oh, maybe one. And like each person, so you have this, you have this script. So I wrote these mock trading scripts. So I would hand them out to the, to my junior traders in the crowd. And there were exclamation points at some places. Right. And like, uh interruptions like like if someone said uh, like for example i would have someone yell out "I'll, i'll pay four and then the next person would yell out i'll pay three now if someone's willing to pay four and someone else is willing to pay three the person who's willing to pay three needs to get in line right because the the person who's willing to pay four has has standing so i even wrote into the script that the person who stated that they're willing to pay four would scream at the, that the, that the person who was only bidding three, like get in line, you know, uh, it's my bid. Okay. Right. So, so in in an auction, right. Could you imagine someone in an auction said, I'll pay, I'll pay three. The next person said, I'll pay four. And then someone else yelled, I'll pay three. You would shout that person down. Well, you have to do that in the, in the pit because otherwise, you know, like you, 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 you can't let that happen. So, I would write into the script how to shout down a person who's making it basically an illegal market because they don't know any better. And and so, it's, and so the, the fun thing was, even if you didn't know what the words meant on the paper, you got used to raising your voice and screaming these words at the top of your lungs, right? And so... That was, a, that was always the funnest exercise because I'm like, you got it, you know, you're not selling it by whispering it. I really need to hear you scream out. I'll pay
0: $4. You know? That's, this is so fascinating. I mean, just the connection of like the body and the mind yeah. connecting all these things. Like, were you thinking about this at the time?
1: This is just one small part of it. Like, I knew I had to turn them into, into people who could shout stuff out. And I figured if I get them to shout out stuff, the right stuff, even if they don't know what it means, at least I've gotten them to, to, to make this. And I, and I, and I didn't do, I didn't come up with this script thing until, um, a a couple years in, but it's one of, it's one of the more fun things that I came up with.
0: Um, yeah. What other, uh, things did you come up with that were unique or sort of remixing different ways of teaching?
1: Oh yeah. So, so. That, that was, um, that was one of them. The other one was that I would, um, so the hard thing about mock trading is you typically just come in and you just write a stock price up on the, up on the board. And then somebody's constantly moving it and then people are supposed to adjust the options and it gets kind of, um, it gets, uh, not, it's hard to coordinate because, you know, the crowd kind of, um, will do things. So you, 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 I mean, you almost have to wing it in, in some ways, um, so, but what it, what I, what I did is instead of having, like having this winging around thing, I had, um, just, uh, a, a list of tickets that, uh, so like it's like made the whole thing much more random of tickets of things that people had to do, whether they wanted to or not. Like, so they, so they had to, you know, make a market in something or they had to, like, they so just had to keep picking tickets and based on how they pick tickets, out of this, out of this, um, big bowl of tickets, they, the, um, the whole mock trading session could go any, any kind of different direction. So that was, uh, that was something I came up with and yeah. And then I, I think I came up with a lot of even just like pen and paper standardized tests things, which was was really fun too.
0: It almost sounds like you were gamifying a lot of how you were teaching was that a conscious decision? were you influenced by any sort of gaming principles, or was that just something you were just kept a b testing and improving things? um
1: yeah, I think if I had kept a leaderboard the whole time, I think that would have been a little bit more effective, but gaming i mean it is game and and uh you just it's a zero sum game that's what we say in the in the finance world um of trading at least so we, um I could have, yeah, I probably could have done a leaderboard, but every day was a game. I mean, they knew yeah. every. There was this was not. We didn't have to protect anybody's ego, like in like I do in high school. I can't tell people each other's <laughs> grades in high school, but <laughs> yeah. but in here, in in this in this context, you know, we we could we could I could tell them, right? I could say you're not going to the next level with this kind of score and what what's the person going to say you believe me it's like no because you're I'm not <laughs> they I they want to do better yeah you you can't be trusted with any money in order to trade an account right now so you know like you have yeah, to yeah
0: what, what what did you learn from such a hyper competitive environment i mean you're now teaching in uh, a high school and you obviously can't take things to the extremes but what what did you learn just about like pushing People um and challenging them
1: uh, i i haven't I haven't learned anything about it because <laughs> I know I just feel um I feel always wary anytime I set the bar for anything, and I'm always you know it's like worried about people like running into the bar slithering under it, you know, like what I mean slithering under it I mean like cheating their way through it. Um, or you know, getting hurt by it. So I, anytime I'm, I'm always, I haven't figured anything out how 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 I can push um, a group of people. Yeah. So wh- say-
0: how do you think about um, raising, like, and giving people an environment where they can be more aspirational about their own goals? It does seem like you care about that, right? You care deeply about the people you're teaching, and you do want them to thrive. Oh, um, oh yeah,
1: the, the, yes, yeah, so the design of any education system is going to do that for that's what I'm trying to do is uh, minimize minimize uh, the struggle with no pain. It's okay to struggle but not it's it's not okay to be uh, to feel pain um, and uh, and get the best results for the most people. And yeah, that's that's always every every um, modification I make to my plans is always with that in mind. And, I, and I've actually started some just this year. It's only the third day in school, but I'm learning a, a, a bit more about um, setting, setting up a, a class so that there can be multiple paths through materials so that the, the students who, for example, like a kid, a kid who gets 10 out of 10 on a pre-quiz shouldn't have to do homework, but a kid who gets 6 out of 10 on a pre-quiz, I mean, he's got to do some practice before he gets back in there. So like yeah. figuring out how to how and and the kid who gets ten out of ten, maybe I give him uh, a very low uh, a low um imp, a low uh weighted uh sort of side side thing to do you know like an uh, uh an enrichment an enrichment project so i'm I'm kicking that around right now it's been the i'm only three days into school, but I think I've discovered a few um not discovered but I'm exploiting a few new technologies for that.
0: Yeah, I think there was some research from when uh, Khan Academy was launching some of their initial stuff that would show like some people would be behind. Oh yeah. Then eventually, over time, they would sort of like equal, if not surpass, some of these people. So they were like slow at first, but fast at the end. Um, So the the multi path uh, model of of learning is really fascinating. It'll be great, like with more technology.
1: Yeah, like the choose your own adventure thing of to get through to get through a set of uh, um, a bunch of material. Uh, he used to have a Sal Khan way a long time ago. he Used to have a map where it, it, it had um, it had you at the, at the at the top, and then all these paths you can go through, and all of them connected with nodes. And then at the end, there was calculus or whatever it was you were trying to get through. So you had you just kept you could zoom in and out of this this map. I'm sure it got too cumbersome. And, um, and it, and it got, it, it was, but it was wild to see like, oh, I can go down this path a certain distance and then go back up and then go down another path and, and just keep just, just, um, marching towards this goal, which was, that was really cool. Um, but yes, I'm, I'm aside from the fact that I have to keep my students for the most part together as we work through the curriculum, um, sending them down. Like little the ones who are ready, not the ones who are not, but sending them down little rabbit holes as we go to do some explorations is is kind of this the the ones who get ten out of ten. That's like that's the next game to raise it. Yeah,
0: I would I would have loved that in school. I was always the kid that would like finish the math and basically just like sit there um, (laughs) quietly. But um, yeah, I'd I'd love to hear more about uh, struggle versus pain. I think that's so interesting because I, we we sort of struggle with this. I think like how to push people, how it's supposed to feel. Like obviously, some challenge is great, but like, what do you mean by pain? And how do you avoid that and steer people towards the challenge path? So I'm
1: sometimes asking a student to do more than they're than they're capable of, and they're they um, what they're going through is is um like she they they can't get it i mean they just don't have the scaffolding to get whatever i want so now they start to um now they, they start to feel bad and they start to they start to suffer okay if it's something you can't achieve you struggle till you get there if it's something you can't achieve you're going to you're going to be um suffering right so suffering should be avoided and it should always be about struggle so so I'm constantly on the lookout for for that, right? If I see a, a student who's who seems like they're suffering, that's 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 number one priority. A kid who's struggling, it's like, okay, yeah, you got to do, you you know, and again, it's it's like whatever, stu- you know, stupid mistakes, you know. I'd say stupid mistakes it, it, when when a kid will say that, and I hope I, I I'm doing quotes even if this isn't visual, quote unquote. Yeah, stupid, that, mistake. <laughs> stupid mistakes are are are. Um, that's, that's struggling. Having no yeah. freaking clue what to do, that's suffering.
0: Yeah. So, um, How do you convince uh, students who might think they're in pain but are actually just struggling and just need to push a little harder?
1: You no, know, you, just, you just give them a tiny bit of scaffolding, right? The, the, you just try to figure out what's the, the least amount I need to do in order to get this person back on track on this particular topic, and yeah, yeah, it might be some you know it might be it might be some picture that I quickly draw or maybe the kid sitting right next to them I can say um I can say you just asked me this question, you think you can explain it now and and that that sometimes helps so it's it's just it's just trying to figure out what what's going to work best for for a kid
0: and it seems like you're just Super curious about figuring out all these challenges and puzzles. Oh, yeah. I, I'd love to use this as a way to connect back to Stock Slam. You I mentioned so. the seed was planted um, at um, in your trading career. Um, did you know maybe there's a game in the future I make on my own, or was it just like this curiosity you wanted to keep learning? And how did you eventually end up? Um, leaving trading and starting to tinker a little more on the side. Oh, so those are those are a few things. Um, to leave <laughs> yeah, trading, you can break them up. Oh, to leave trading and
1: tinker on the side. Um, equity options were when I when I left Susquehanna, we the trading options was getting to be less and less uh, uh, lucrative, and um, I don't know, just wasn't wasn't the flavor. And I guess I I probably could have figured out a way to move within Susquehanna. Um, but I really liked, I really liked market making and, um, I don't know, it's just the time with the time seemed to be right. And so I, I left Susquehanna after eight years to become a, a stay at home dad for a uh, stay at home dad and then part-time doing other things. Um, but for the most part, staying the stay at home dad for maybe 10 or 15 years.
0: That's amazing. So, how, yeah. how was that experience?
1: Oh, that that was wild. I mean, no, no, very, no, almost no babysitters, and um, I oh, it was great to 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 be with my kids as much as as much as anything else, right? And also miserable. Um, <laughs> the, mo- the moments were just absolutely miserable. From you know whatever, having like three kids hanging off you in all different ways. I just think a great New Yorker cartoon would be um, <laughs> some guy pushing a double stroller that's empty through Manhattan. And he has a baby Bjorn, which is something that holds a baby against your yeah. chest. And that's just, there's nothing in it. And he's got, <laughs> as he's pushing the stroller, he's got one kid on his shoulders, like on his, you know, on his head, to shoulders, the other, the other kid in his arm. And then, then the other kid is just like walking <laughs> next to the stroller, right? Because it's just, it's just miserable. But it's also really, really fun. Um, so to do things like uh, take my kids to the pool and bring my ukulele along and just sit on a chair off to the side and just, just figure out songs while they were splashing in on the pool, you know,
0: that that's beautiful. Was that something intentionally you w- sort of intended to last that long? Uh, it's something, I mean, it's something I'm aspiring to as well. Oh, cool. I think like I'm sort of designing my work to be at least part-time flexible so I can be around when we have kids and, uh, So it's it's cool to hear other men that are uh, doing that as well.
1: Oh, yeah. I didn't think twice about it. Um, it, Like as far as
0: like the man versus woman thing. uh, um, But uh, I was just saying in terms of like a career, like did you decide, okay, I'm going to do this for 10 to 15 years or did you start (laughs) to take time off and you're like, oh, this is actually uh, a great time to spend with my kids and I want to keep this going.
1: Um, oh, so to, 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 to be clear again, this is just luckiness, luck, lucky and just how my, my wife at the time, um, her business was really taking off and, and we were kind of stressed out about finding a babysitter and it was, it just seemed natural with the number of kids, the, the kids that we had and the one, we also wanted to have another one. It just made sense for me, um, to, to do it, uh, and and also just that my career at susquehanna i mean i was making as much money as ever for them but it was you know just they didn't it it was just i was just less appreciated so i was just like hey, it's time to go and i think we we're having a bad year anyway so um yeah anyway the stay-at-home dad part was was uh was a great gig and i yeah i i, I did other things while i was doing that like tutoring. And substitute teaching and getting a getting an education degree and doing some work for the family business. But
0: yeah, and besides that. When did when did the path of going into teaching sort of emerge as something you wanted to do? Or was it just always something you were doing on the side a little bit?
1: Yeah, I was at tutoring. I was always tutoring and I was and I did some substitute teaching in the school where I'm teaching now. So I got a good feel for what the what the students were like, what the other teachers were like, um, being in the being in the same town. I'm, I'm in the, the teaching in the same town where I live, and so that's always been nice to know people. Uh, when I'm, yeah, they, they, my, of my students right now, I've probably hung out with, I don't know, ten percent of their parents.
0: That's amazing. So I, know,
1: I know. Yeah, I know, and I know them from all different walks of life and stuff. So it's pretty, it's a pretty cool, it's a pretty cool gig. And,
0: and what, what is it like teaching, uh, young high schoolers, all sorts of hormones and ambitions and confusion, uh, probabilistic thinking, Bayesian thinking, stochastic <laughs> reasoning, like, how, uh, how, how do you transcend, uh, the interestingness of these topics to that group of people? Oh, yeah. I, um,
1: uh, I just, yeah, just making connections to them and talking to them is really nice. They're, they're all, um, yeah, they're all going through something. They're all, all I p- pretty much just 10th graders and they're just, they're just good people. Um, they're all just, they're all kind to themselves and kind to each other and kind to me for the most part. Um, to some of them I'm invisible just because I'm over 20 years old. So some of them don't see me, you know? And and no matter what I say or do, it's just, you know, so, um, so with them, I can kind of get away with saying anything, which is kind of nice. They don't hear it, (laughs) but most of them, most of the students are just so kind and, and, and helpful and like to each other. If I, if I say, if I say to one of them, Hey, um, you know, Hey Sally, can you do me a favor and show Jimmy how to do that? They always say yes. They always say yes and they do it and they, they, they don't give up until they're done with it. So, I mean, just, just to do that is just awesome. Right.
0: Yeah. And and what, um, how do you, like, what do you think you do different based on your background in terms of how you approach teaching than maybe other teachers do not to, Um, not to put down any, any other (laughs) teachers, but just curious (laughs) about how you think about it. I mean, you, well, you detailed that like you want to make the best program to serve the most students the best way with the least suffering. So you sort of had this like, almost like Buddhist sort of orientation towards uh, teaching.
1: Well, I, well, number one, I tell them that, well, and, and I'm also not afraid to tell them that I love them um, as creepy as it is coming from a, from a high school teacher. I mean, I, I tell them I love them because they're my neighbors they're they're my cousins if we go back far enough um maybe they're my nieces and nephews for all i don't know but like if you go back far enough we're all related so um, yeah it's like 12 they,
0: generations right we're yeah. all cousins
1: oh yeah so 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 like so i'm like we're in this together like i worry and and freak out about the same things they do maybe different ways and at different levels but you know we're all in this together and and, and we're all brothers and sisters at some at some level um and that resonates to most with most of them. And they also I also tell them they're part of this process of me building the best program for, for the most people. I don't know how much they take it, but I'll, I, I do have this do have this one hack. Um, I uh, f- uh, for my top students from last year, I reached, I reached out to them and I, and I the ones that I found to be the most mature of, of my students and, and really the smartest and, and best. I ask them if they want to be my TAs oh, wow. for, for, the, for the following year. And, and, and so I have seven this year already. And so, so they're helping me build, I'll show them a prompt and I'll say, can you build me uh, 15 questions around this prompt that, you know, talks about slope and talks about averages and it talks about increasing, decreasing and, and everything. And, 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 and they, and they looked at me and they're like, sure. And i I'm, like, yeah, they, they want to help. They're, they're, they're awesome. They know what their part is. And, and, uh, yeah. And I told them from this, they get the most ass kicking, uh, college <laughs> recommendation. Right. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Every kid wants that in high school. Um, yeah. But they're not doing it for that right now. They're doing it because, yeah. you know, they're like, they're so, they, they know what they're doing. Like I said, I show them my plan and they're like, oh, I see how I fit into this. This could be really cool. So,
0: That's so cool. Um, what is a TA position a normal sort of thing, or did you invent that at your school? Um,
1: so in my high school, there's you can be a TA or a, you can do independent study. I don't know any other teacher who who, who capitalizes on this TA ship thing. Um, it's I almost feel like the teachers should be recruiting these kids to be their TAs, right? Like after they finish their classes, they should be going over to the kid and saying. Hey, yeah, I want you to be the algebra two, t- my algebra two t- TA next year. You know, like, or come come be my TA. Like, I'm just, I, I tell them if they're my TA for honors physics when they get to AP physics, like, it's it's not even going to be a class for them. They're going to know yeah. all of everything already.
0: Where do you get that energy to like want to believe in people and root root for people? I think Tyler Cowen says one of the greatest things you can do is like raise the ambitions of other people. That's something I try to embrace in my journey as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I I just
1: I I, high school was was um one of the funnest times in my life. So I just like for me, that's that's kind of where I draw a lot of my energy. Um, it was an easy time, but so so for me, some of the some of the kids who are struggling, I know I have to like dial it back a little bit. Yeah, um, I like I, I'm very conscious of that. So they, um, like, the, it might be the fifteenth time I'm I'm saying it, but it might be only the second time they've ever heard it. So just being careful with them. But but in terms of like motivation, I just I love high school. I love being in the high school. It's it's exciting. The the students are just yeah, they're fun, funny.
0: What what do people have wrong about? uh, the next generation, like you, you just see so much negativity about like, oh, the next generation's not going to thrive. But every time I meet somebody that's young, I am sort of blown away and impressed. People seem far beyond like where I was at similar ages. Oh, Oh, yeah. Academically, absolutely.
1: Um, they're, they're, they're more advanced than I was. Um, and, and, and I think I, I mean, I, Probably went to as good a high school as I'm teaching now, and yeah, his students have so much more opportunity, and so many of them are jumping on it. But uh, what I, what I, how I feel about it is, edu- in terms of education, it's going to maybe take a, uh, a few more years to get to the level of rigor, the average level of rigor um, that we had before the pandemic. Um, yeah, it's been tough like, you transition. Know, but, but, but the one thing I, 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 I say. It was it is that these, these these uh teenagers they're so kind to each other wow they're, like when you when they're next when they're with each other they're I, I, don't, they, I don't see any bullying i don't see any like i mean i don't know i don't think i have blinders on but but uh inside my classroom um yeah they just they're just they're just kind to each other and then and they're kind to me for some reason right and they i have kids who i i give i gave them Uh, F's like F's over and over again and I'm just like you know please come to me for help and they're still maybe getting F's and they still they're still kind to me and and I'm like I don't (laughs) and of course I'm kind back to them yeah um, but they're just I think they're just happy to be there and 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 um have have another grown up that's not yelling I'm not yelling at them you know I just say you know can I show you the order of operations how you know you have to do the exponents before you divide by 2 or you know like that's
0: awesome. I I'd, I'd love yeah. to shift back to stock slam. Uh, when did that start oh. um, taking hold? I know it was like right before the pandemic when you you felt like you finally got the formula for the game. But um when did you start yeah. working on that more seriously and like where is that now? So I
1: so I think I mentioned the The germ was the germ sort of start was of the idea started with uh King Yao making us watch a basketball game and we were making a market in the total number of points and i when i as i the what i what I was watching was I was watching this game happen where we had no idea what the what the solution what the end result was going to be so it was sort of stochastic um but but uh uh but I, my idea was like, how is this repeatable? Like I can't get, I can't have basketball teams keep doing this thing, right? I need to write a program. I need to figure out a way to show, again, now, now we're going to stick, a, a multi-way race. So a race amongst a bunch of people or players that is, um, that is, that is random. But, um, but, but uh, the, the walk itself of each character is random. And the final winner is random but it it looks like a race it basically looks like a race that you're watching and and so so imagine going to the horse race and a horse race and the horses are the horse race itself takes 20 minutes so as this horse race is going on and different different horses are pulling ahead and falling behind you can trade your your uh, your bets with other people in the crowd if you offer them the right price for their tickets they'll sell it to you and then now you've you know, you've, you've changed what, uh, which horse you're betting on, and then maybe you take that ticket that you just bought and you sell it at a, at a profit, and you're managing a portfolio of all these bets on all these horses. So that's I knew that that was going to be the game. Um, pr- probably, like my final game, I knew that probably, I don't know, within a year of kicker, kicking around this idea of, uh, of what King showed us, but I never could figure out how to, uh, how to number one, simulate that game. And number two, what the actual mechanics were of, 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 of recording your trades with each other. So it took me, it took me, um, 20 years to learn the computer programming in order to write the simulation in order to write the board that we'd interact with. And then it took me another, a few years to realize how to, to how to work the mechanics of the, of making the trades. And now it's, uh, now it's complete.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like Stock Slam now is in a good, good place. Like what, what's the next step with, uh, Stock Slam?
1: So I talking, after talking to, um, two old, uh, students of mine, uh, Tina Lindstrom and Chris Ethel uh i I happened tina happened to reach out to me on facebook just to say hi and i said oh this is amazing you're one of my students can i show you this 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 thing i developed and she immediately reached out to chris and while she's talking to me she's like what do you want to do with this and i said i have no idea like no trader has seen this yet i've shown it to people and i've play tested it and i've and i've and i've even made the kickstarter video but i didn't really have the um I didn't have the big break that I was looking for. I mean, I had taken it to conferences and play tested it in front of in front of people and gotten feedback, and and uh, but no, you know, it's no publisher. A, 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 a game publisher would have to be walking by when I was playing it, or something to get you know for me to. So I just was. I wasn't getting any leads. Um, the plan was to continue to just play it with my students, maybe in a finance club or something. And then, but when Tina saw it, she immediately understood what it was about. She understood what it would be good for. And uh, Chris, the Messiah, uh, pretty much saw the same thing. And in a three-way conversation with them, the question was asked, what do you want to do with this, Steiner? And, and I, I said, I'm open to suggestions. And Chris, Chris suggested that, uh, that we get this out there to um, get this out there to the people through his connections and Tina's connections, and that's what we're yeah, doing. It's,
0: it sounds like I mean, I watched I watched a video of people playing this game. It's like yeah, very was, exciting. It's very interactive. Are you really trying to like inject the trading floor um, energy? Oh yeah,
1: yeah. And if you see if you see those videos, those are middle schoolers who have just been uh, briefed on the rules. And the grown up who was jumping around them as me. I'm just having the best time and and uh, keeping order to the market so that they don't step on each other and they and they and they make their intentions clear. But for the most part, like I'm trading with them. I'm encouraging them to trade with each other. And yeah, it's it simulates the uh, it simulates a a, a pit uh a pit trading. So
0: that's awesome. And what are your plans with this? I mean, I. I think you're ha- you're hosting sort of a trial three day session um, in New York. Yeah. Is this the so, end of September or beginning of October? Beginning of October, Chris and Tina are have sent
1: out an invitation for uh, for people who are interested, and it's just going to be a, a, a few sessions with uh, people who I'm just looking for some maybe some feedback and and what they what they. Uh, how they think we're going to I'm not sure what the next thing is going to be but we're going to use that use that session to to inform our next move but I could see uh, building um, building a course around it uh, to teach to teach decision making and option theory and derivatives pricing and it, it, I could also see that, um what I <laughs> this is this would be like a dream come true almost but you saw how you saw the what how crazy that was with uh what like with 10 middle schoolers and me. Yeah. <laughs> There's no limit to the number of people who can play this game at a given time. Oh wow. So so we could I could have a session with 200 people. And as long as we had a projector to project this this one board like like where they have to see to make their pricing decisions. As long as I have a big a projector where everyone can see it, like a movie screen, I could have 200 people basically pit trading, and it's a zero-sum game. So someone would have the most money, and someone would have the least money, and they it would just be a ranking, and you would just know, <laughs> like, like not that's, who's the best trader. It could be who got the luckiest, right? Yeah. But it would be it would be a, a, a pit for simulated like no other in the world, and that's that would be, and I, I kind of it would like being in the middle of that would would like you know be a dream come true
0: that's amazing um so I, I definitely I, want to play play this at some point um <laughs> what what do you think are some of the lessons you're hoping people take from a game like this even if they're not in a finance environment uh oh
1: yeah i've always it always comes back to kind of finance um i think in general Understanding the value of something, that's what this game is about in some ways because it's a market and where uh, buyers and sellers come together on a price is the market. A a stock uh, doesn't go up because there's more buyers than sellers. Um, uh, Because every time there's a print, there's a buyer and a seller on both sides. Um, a, 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 A stock goes up because there's some kind of information out there that people are reacting to. And, um, so that's what my game is about. It's about, uh, price discovery, uh, uh, and, 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 you know, equilibrium. It's about, uh, uh, gambling and, and, and knowing risk.
0: Yeah. Do you think this, these sort of principles can help guide people's life decisions too? I think, I mean, one thing I've been thinking about a lot is sort of like pricing my time. So there might be freelance opportunities I get and they might have like a decent wage, but then there's a cost in terms of like my energy and to my soul. Like, so I I think a lot about like, okay, I need to factor in all the costs and all the prices. And I think a big flaw people have is they sort of just look at like monetary price. Um, Do you think some of these ideas are applicable in this sort of lens?
1: well the, the the game
0: itself is is
1: just um yeah, straight yeah, up like who can make the sure. most money with the least <laughs> amount of risk um but for sure even at the even at throughout certain game parts of the game there's this like sort of expectancy like you can look at you can look at the branches of the tree and try to figure out what things are worth um and uh then then like just figuring out any uh, the value of any decision under uncertainty um my game is my game is doing that because I don't, like, I don't know the answer to any of the prices, um, when I'm playing my game and I designed it. And, and so the decisions, I I could write a spreadsheet to give me some ideas for some prices as I'm playing the game, but I'm not even sure I could figure it out. Um, so, so when you're making a decision and, and all of the outcomes are clear, you can still, you can still make a decision. Um, and then, and then you're just looking, yeah, you're just looking for the feedback. In finance, it would be, it would be, are you winning? Or are you losing? Is the bet moving against you or, f- or, yeah. or for you? And then, and then like in life, you just, yeah, you just, you make a decision and then you just keep evaluating, I think.
0: This is amazing. So, um, where... Where can people find out more uh, if they want to learn more about StockSlam or uh, some of the stuff upcoming? I'll, I'll figure out some of the links to put in so I can uh, sh- attach some links if people want more information. And I know Chris has more of a social presence, so I can link up to him as well.
1: Yeah, the the, um, the PlayStockslam.com, all one word except for the dot com uh is the board that people in, when you go there you can play around and see like a the random walk of a stock so you can actually see the, the stock so you can actually watch the race that you would be betting on, to, on 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 the stock so that that's just a fun simulation um but for for um actually uh Learning more about it. I mean, I have I have a Facebook page and I have some videos there of people playing it, but uh, nothing. Um, yeah, I don't really have a big Twitter presence awesome. Stay or tuned. or any of that other stuff. Yeah, Chris. Yeah, I mean, I think I have Playstock Slam on Twitter, or something like that. But uh, Chris and Chris and Tina are the ones who have just been, um, just been uh, spreading the word, and they and that has. Yeah, that was, um, was so um humbling. I said I, I said uh you can get me some you you can put some asses in the seats for me to uh to play this game. People like some people in finance and and Tina said, "Hey, Steiner, all we have to do is tell them that you taught us and people will sign up for it." I was like, "That's it. Well, <laughs> right?" Sick. That's all you have to say. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I was like, I was so. I hadn't talked to them for twenty five years, and this is how they. This is how they repay me.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I sense um, you've had an impact on many people, and I really appreciate uh, sharing your journey and the story today. I think it's definitely. An inspiration for my path. And, uh, I just appreciate, it seems like you're still so energized about your, uh, your life and work. So appreciate that. Thanks, Paul. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the pathless path. I love having these conversations. And if you want to support me, you can rate review or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can also follow me on YouTube where I post all the video interviews of this podcast as well. Finally, you can always support me by buying my book, The Pathless Path. It's a book I'm really proud of and has most of my best thinking and probably my best writing in it. And you can get it for less than 20 bucks. So grab that. It's in the show notes. And thank you for listening.